0: Section 38 of The Life of Mozart volume 1 by Otto Jahn this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn section 38 chapter 16 part 2 My first visit was to the town councillor master Longotobaro. my cousin a dear good man and an honest citizen accompanied me and had the honour of waiting in the anteroom like a lackey until I came out from the arch town councillor I did not fail to begin by presenting my father's humble respects. He was pleased to remember all about it and asked me, How has the gentleman been all this time? To which I answered, God be praised, quite well. I hope that your health has also been good. Afterwards he was still more polite and said, Sir, and I said, Your Grace, as I had all along. Nothing would satisfy him but that I should go up with him to his son in law on the second floor, and my cousin waiting on the steps all the while. It was with difficulty that I refrained from saying something with all my politeness. Upstairs I had the honor of playing for three-quarters of an hour upon a good clavichord, by Stein, in the presence of the stiff and starched son of his long-necked, gracious lady-wife, and her silly old mother. I played Fantasias, and then everything he had, Prima Vista, among others some very pretty pieces, by a certain Edelman. They were all exceedingly polite, and I was exceedingly polite, for it is my custom to be to people as I find them. It is the best way. The next visit was to the celebrated organ and clavier-maker— George Andreas Stein. 1728-1792. to The father conceived the idea that Wolfgang should present himself to Stein under a feigned name, and should pretend that he came from Innsbruck with a commission to inspect some instruments. Such a joke was quite to Wolfgang's mind, and he told his father how it had passed. During his visit to the town councillor he had expressed his intention of calling upon Stein for dinner. The younger gentleman thereupon volunteered to accompany me. I thanked him for his kindness, and promised to come at two o'clock. I came, and we set out in company with his brother-in-law, who looks exactly like a student. Although I had begged them not to say who I was, Herr von Langenmantel blurted out, I have the honor to introduce you to a virtuoso on the clavier. I protested, and said I was an unworthy disciple of Herr Siegel, of Munich, by whom I was charged with many compliments, etc. He shook his head, and at last said, Have I the honor of seeing Herr Mozart? Oh, no, said I. My name is Trotsam, and I have a letter to you. He took the letter and was going to open it. I did not give him time, and said, Why should you read the letter now? Let us go into the hall and see your pianofortes, which I am most curious to do. With all my heart, but I do not think I am deceived. He opened the door of his showroom. I ran to one of the three claviers which stood there. I played. He could scarcely take time to open the letter, his curiosity was so excited. He read only the signature. Oh! He screamed, and embraced me, and crossed himself, and made grimaces, and was altogether very delighted. Mozart, for his part, was equally delighted with Stein's pianofortes, of which he gives his father the following detailed account before I had seen Stein's work. I preferred Spetz's claviers to all others. but now I must give the preference to Stein's, for they mute much better than Spetz's If I strike hard, whether I raise my finger or not, the sound passes the instant I have heard it. I may come upon the keys as I like. the tone is always the same; it does not block, it neither becomes stronger nor weaker, nor does it cease altogether. In a word, it is all equal. Such a pianoforte, it is true, cannot be had under 300 florins, but the trouble and labor bestowed on it are inestimable. His hammers fall the instant the keys are struck, whether they are held down or not. When such an instrument is finished, he told me himself, he sits down and tries all sorts of passages, runs, and jumps, and works away until he is satisfied. He often said, if I were not such a passionate lover of music myself, and were not able to play a little on the clavier, I should long ago have lost patience with my work, but I am a lover of instruments which do not tax the player, and which wear well. If his claviers do wear well, he guarantees that the sounding-board shall not spring. When a sounding-board is ready for a piano, he exposes it to air, rain, snow, sun, so that it may warp, and then he puts on slips and glues them down, so that it is all strong and true. He is glad when it warps, because then he is sure that nothing more will happen. He has three such pianofortes finished. I have played upon them again to-day. The pedal, which is pressed by the knee, is better managed by him than by others. If I only just touch it, it acts. And when the knee is removed, there is not the least vibration. Mozart knew how to make the most of these improved instruments. His playing and his intelligent admiration so won Stein's approbation that the latter followed the advice Wolfgang gave him concerning the education of his daughter. Maria Anna Stein, born 1769, was the prodigy of Augsburg, in April, 1776, she had played her first concerto to universal admiration, and had received a beautiful medal from the town nobility. Wolfgang's criticism on her playing to his father, October 24, 1777, is somewhat severe, but so important as showing his views on pianoforte playing in general that it must be given entire. The memory of the excellent Frau Annette Stryker will not suffer from the bold criticism of the young Mozart. Apropos of his daughter, whoever sees her and hears her without laughing must be as much of a stone stein as her father himself she sits right up in the treble instead of in the middle of the instrument so that she may be better able to move about and make grimaces her eyes roll and she simpers and smirks if a thing comes twice over it is played slower the second time and if a third time it is slower still the arm goes high up in the air when a passage comes and the emphasis is given by the whole arm instead of the finger clumsily and heavily but the best of all is when in a passage that ought to flow like oil the fingers have to be changed it makes no difference at all to her, but when the time comes up goes her hand, and she begins again quite calmly, so that one is always in expectation of a wrong note, which makes the effect very striking. I only write all this to give you some idea of what clavier-playing and teaching may be brought to. I leave you to make your own use of the hints. Herr Stein is quite infatuated over his daughter. She is eight and a half years old and learns everything by heart. She may turn out something, she has genius, but as she is going on at present she will not turn out anything." She will never gain fluency, because she is doing all she can to make her hand heavy. She will never learn the most difficult and most necessary part of music, that is, time, because she has been accustomed from her earliest youth to play out of time. Herr Stein and I had at least two hours' talk on this point. I think I nearly converted him, and now he asks my advice about everything. He was quite infatuated in Bika. Now he sees and hears that I play better than Bika, that I make no grimaces, and yet play with so much expression that i show off his pianofortes better than any one the correctness of my time astonishes them all the tempo rubato in an adagio with the left hand keeping strict time was quite past their comprehension they always follow with the left hand the expressions about bica who was considered among the best pianoforte players are only repetition of what was said on all sides count wolfig and several others who are very enthusiastic for bica said lately at a public concert that i had thrown bica quite into the shade writes Wolfgang in confirmation of his own opinion. Even Archbishop Hieronymus was reported to have said aside to his favorites that Bica was a charlatan and a Mary Andrew, and that Mozart far surpassed him. June ninth, 1778. He played a tolerably different sonata by Bica, Prima Vista, Miserabile al Solito, How the Kapellmeister Graf and the organist Schmidthauer crossed themselves over the performance may be better imagined than described. Mozart's organ and violin playing created quite as much astonishment as his performances on the clavier. When I told Herr Stein that I should like to play upon his organ, in the Barfuserkirche, for that I had a passion for the organ, he was greatly astonished, and said, What? A man like you, a clavier player, willing to play on an instrument which has no douceur, no expression, which allows of neither piano nor forte, but goes on always the same? All that has nothing to do with it. To my mind, the organ is the king of all instruments. Well, do as you like. So we went together. I could guess, by his way of talking, that he did not expect me to do his organ much credit. He thought I should play clavier fashion. He told me how he had taken Chaubert to the organ, according to his request. And I was sorry, said he, for Chaubert had told everybody, and the church was full. I had imagined the fellow would be full of spirit, fire, and rapidity, and that would tell on the organ. But as soon as he began I changed my opinion. I only said, "'What do you think, Herr Stein? Are you afraid that I shall come to grief on the organ?' "'Ah, you, that is quite different.' We went into the choir, I began to prelude, at which he laughed with delight, then followed a fugue. I can well believe, said he, that you enjoy playing the organ, when you play like that. At first I did not quite understand the pedal, because it was not divided. It began C, then D, E in a row. With us D and E are above, where E-flat and F-sharp are here, but I soon grew accustomed to it. He played the organ also in the monastery of St. Ulrich which had the dreadful steps, and often visited the Monastery of the Holy Cross, where he was invited to dine on October 19th, and entertained with music during the meal. October 21st, 1777. However badly they may play, yet I prefer the music of the Monastery to the Augsburg Orchestra. I played a symphony in the Violin Concerto in B-flat by Von Hall with universal applause. The dean is a good, jolly fellow. He is a cousin of Eberlin's, named Zeschinger, and remembers Papa very well. In the evening at supper I played the Strasbourg Concerto, Kershel number 219. It went as smooth as oil. They all praised the beautiful pure tone. Afterwards a little clavichord was brought in. I preluded and played a sonnet, and the Fisher variations. Then someone whispered to the dean that he should hear me play organ fashion. I said he might give me a theme, but he would not. So one of the monks did. I let off with it, and in the middle, the fugue was in G minor, I began in the major, in a playful style, but in the same time and then came back to the theme. At last it occurred to me that I might use the playful style for the theme of the fugue. Without more ado I tried it, and I went as accurately as if it had been measured for by Dazer, the Salzburg tailor. The dean was quite beside himself. I could never have believed it, said he. You are a wonderful man. My abbot told me that he had never in his life heard such correct and solemn organ playing. The abbot had heard me two or three days before, when the dean was not there. Finally someone brought a sonata which was fugued for me to play. But I said, gentlemen, this is too much. I must acknowledge that I cannot play this sonata at once. I think so, too, said the dean eagerly, for he was quite on my side. That is too much. It would be impossible for any one. Still, said I, I will try it. And all the time I played, I heard the dean calling out behind me, Oh, you rascal, oh, you young scamp. I played until eleven o'clock. They bombarded me with themes for fugues, and laid siege to me on all sides. In return for his kind reception, and the pleasure expressed in his playing, Wolfgang presented the Abbot Bartholomew Christa, 1760 to 1780, with several compositions: the Masses in F, Kerschel number 192, in C, Kerschel number 220, and the Misericordias Domini, Kerschel number 222. He refers to them in writing to his father, as well as to the Litany De Venerabili, November 20th, 1777. What has become of this last, we do not know. In spite of all this applause from connoisseurs, the prospects of a concert were not good. At first a brilliant reception was expected. Herr von Lengenmantel, son of the town councillor, had taken the matter into his own hands and promised to arrange a chamber concert for the Patrici only. But some days later he invited Wolfgang, and after he had played as long as the company pleased, explained to him that the concert could not take place, since the Patrici were not in funds. As if this were not enough, the Patrici thought fit to make sport of him at table in accordance with his father's advice that he should ensure respect and consideration for himself in places where there was no reigning prince, by wearing the order conferred on him by the great Pope Ganganelli, Wolfgang wore the cross of his order at Augsburg. This was made an occasion for mockery, and one officer in particular, Bach by name, was so rude and insulting that Wolfgang lost patience, and repaid him in kind, calling him Herr von Kurtzmantel. But he does not seem ever to have worn the order again." he had promised to attend and perhaps to play at the weekly concert given during the winter months by a society of noblemen both catholic and protestant but indignant at the treatment he had received he declared he would only give a concert for a few invited friends and connoisseurs they were catholic nobles however who had insulted him and stein set in motion the evangelical not lutheran as leopold mozart reminds his son nobles who made such friendly overtures that he attended a concert given by the peasant nobles and played one of his symphonies taking the violin himself and then a concerto and a sonata Compliments and eulogies were heaped upon him, and finally two ducats were presented to him. Wolfgang's father thought him far too yielding. One thing is very certain: he writes, October twentieth, seventeen seventy-seven. They would not have found me at their beggarly concert. In the meantime, through the exertions of his friends, a public concert was given on October twenty-second. What do you think came next after the symphony? The concerto for three claviers, Kerschel number two hundred forty-two. Herr Demmler played the first, I the second, and Herr Stein the third. Then I played alone the last sonata in D, Kirschel number two hundred eighty four, then my concerto in B flat, Kirschel number two hundred thirty eight, then a fugue in C minor, and a splendid sonata in C major out of my own head, with a rondo at the end. There was tremendous noise and confusion. Herr Stein made one grimace after another for delight. Herr Demmler actually laughed. This eccentric being always laughs when anything pleases him. This time he began to swear. Count Wolfig ran about the room, saying, I never heard anything like it in my life he said to me, "'I must tell you that I never heard you play so well as to-day. I will tell your father so as soon as I get to Salzburg.' Leopold Mozart's heart was rejoiced by a wonderfully fine article in the newspaper, probably from the pen of Herr von Sabnisnig, of whose charming poetry he had reminded Wolfgang. On the other hand, the receipts of the concert were small, considering that he had put forth all his powers—ninety golden, with sixteen golden, thirty Kreutzer's expenses— Wolfgang was not tempted to retract what he had written to his father in anger about the behavior of the aristocrats, October sixteenth, 1777. I must say that if I had not found such good and charming cousins I should repent ever having set foot in Augsburg. I must tell you something about my dear little cousin, but I will wait till to-morrow, for I ought to be in good spirits to praise her as she deserves. Early on the 17th I shall write and assure you that our little cousin is pretty sensible, charming, clever, and merry. She knows something of the world, having been in Munich some time." we two suit each other exactly, for she is just a little wicked. We laugh at everybody and have great fun. Defending his cousin against a slighting expression of his father's, Wolfgang says, Yesterday, to please me, she dressed a la Française, and looked five per cent prettier. He gave her his portrait in a little medallion, and made her promise to be painted in French costume. A mournful parting ended this happy visit, Stein having written to Wolfgang's father in the most eulogistic manner concerning his son's performances. At the next coit-playing meeting in Salzburg there appeared on the coit a representation of the sad adieu of two persons dissolved in tears, Wolfgang and his cousin. The coit was charming, wrote the father, November 17, 1777. An Augsburg maiden stood at the right and presented a young man in top boots, equipped for travelling, and in the other hand she carried a wonderful linen cloth trailing on the ground, with which she dried her eyes. The gentleman had a similar cloth, which he was putting to the same use, and he held his hat in his other hand written above were six lines of poetry expressive of the sorrowful emotions of the young couple this good-humored participation in the little adventures of his son stands in striking and effective contrast to the earnest care which breathes from a letter addressed to wolfgang on his fete day october thirty first i must wish you happiness on your fete day but what more can i wish for you than i am always wishing i wish that the grace of god may be with you everywhere and never forsake you as long as you are diligent in performing the duties of a true catholic christian you know me and know that I am no pedant, no canting hypocrite. But you will not refuse your father one prayer. This is that you will have such concern for your soul that you may cause your father no anguish on his deathbed in the thought that he has been careless of the things which concern your salvation. Farewell. Be happy, be wise. Honor and cherish your mother, who is troubled in her old age for your sake. Love me as I love you, your faithful, anxious father. The son's answer is in the tone of reverence which it becomes children to adopt on such occasions to their parents. I kiss your hand and thank you humbly for your good wishes on my fete day. Have no concern for me. I have God ever before my eyes. I acknowledge his omnipotence. I fear his anger. But I also acknowledge his love, his mercy and pity towards his creatures. He will never forsake his servants. I submit myself wholly to his will. And so it cannot fail, I must be happy and content. I shall also be diligent to follow the commands and the counsel which you are so good as to give me. On October 26, Wolfgang and his mother left Augsburg, and proceeded by way of Dunavert and nordlingen to hohenaltheim the residence of the prince von edding wallerstein music was held in high honor at this little court not only were celebrated performers such as janitch the violinist reiha the violoncellist perwein the oboist etc encouraged to settle there but the whole orchestra was distinguished for its delicacy of execution rossetti the conductor had carried his observance of the most delicate gradations of tone sometimes to the bounds of pedantry ignaz von bieke captain in a wurtemberg dragoon regiment, was manager of the court music and himself a distinguished clavier player and composer the prince a handsome young man who had formerly invited wolfgang to visit him in naples was suffering from an attack of melancholy and unable to bear music but the mozarts were obliged to remain several days at hohenaltheim on account of the mother's severe cold a rumour reached leopold mozart that wolfgang had been playing the buffoon there that he had danced about playing the violin he had gained the reputation of being a wild merry fellow. He considered that this would afford Bika, who was jealous of Wolfgang, an excellent opportunity of depreciating his powers as an artist. January twenty sixth, 1778. Wolfgang gave a decided contradiction to this report. He had sat at the officer's table with all due honour, and had not said a word to any one, when with Bika, too, he had been quite serious. Bika had received him kindly, had promised him advice and support, should he ever go to Paris, and had heard him play— they had talked about vienna too and agreed that the emperor joseph was a fair executant but not a true lover of music bika said that he had only played fugues and such like trifles before him and that he had heard music in the emperor's cabinet which was enough to frighten the very dogs away they also confided to each other that music gave them both the headache only good music had this effect with bika and bad with mozart the travellers entered mannheim on october thirtieth their stay was longer than they had intended and although the hopes with which it opened were not destined to be fulfilled, yet the months passed in Mannheim were fruitful in their effect on Wolfgang's development, both musical and moral. The elector, Karl Theodor, had studied in his early youth under the Jesuits, and had then visited the universities of Leiden in Leuven, displaying a great taste for science, poetry, art, and music, the last of which he practiced himself, the extravagance with which he lavished on his court and on his park of Schwetzingen, the Versailles of the Palatinate was carried also in some degree into the affairs of science and art. End of section 38, chapter 16, part 2.